Hello everyone, this is Artemis. I just wanted to say that this is the first part of our episode with David. Uh, in this part, we talk particularly about permaculture. Uh, we start to get a little bit to the, the kind of differences within primitivism regarding permaculture and other uh, methods of subsistence. We start to get a little bit into delayed hunter-gatherer anthropology, um, but the next episode is much more about delayed hunter-gatherers, so if that's more your interest or you finish this episode and you want to finish the discussion, I'd recommend checking that out, which comes out next week. Hello, everyone. This is Artemis with the Uncivilized Podcast. Today, I have David Lauterwasser. David, how are you doing today? I'm fine. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, I'm very happy that you're here. Uh, so, David uh, lives in Thailand, runs his, alongside, if I remember correctly, runs it with a your, with a romantic partner, correctly, a kind of primitive exactly. permaculture, primitive permaculture, yes. like, food garden, right? Something to that kind of extent? Yeah, it's we call it a food jungle. Uh, people elsewhere, they say food forest, but our 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 ecosystem, uh, the ecosystem that we're embedded in is jungle. So we just call it a food jungle because it looks more like a jungle than a forest. Okay, very cool. So David, I guess we can just get into it. You, you know, who are you? What brought you to permaculture, particularly kind of this primitive... Almost to me, it comes off as like a political permaculture, for lack of a better phrase. How? What? What are some of the foundations that brought you to this? Uh, thank you. Yes, uh, it is. You are completely right. Uh, I, we do have a large focus on the political side of gardening. How gardening can be political? We're gonna get into that later, I think. So yeah, about me, I'm uh, I'm this this guy from from the middle of Europe, from Germany. Uh, sometimes I say that I was assigned the nationality German at birth, but I don't identify as a German anymore. Um, I'm middle-aged, which means 30. Uh, I don't think that uh, our generation is going to get that old in the end. If I live until 60, then I'm fine. Uh, and so, yeah, I. what is there to say? I I grew up, I had uh, two brothers. I had very friendly, very caring, very nice, eco-conscious parents, um, grandparents who did like farming. Uh, the parents of my mother, they are basically subsistence farmers. So they had sheep and uh, bees and a big vegetable garden, fruit trees, a potato field and all that. So I was, uh, I, I was kind of put into that position early on where I was confronted with this kind of lifestyle and I always I always enjoyed it. I always really loved it. Yeah. Uh, there is the city life on one side, um, and then there is this kind of lifestyle on the other side where you can just climb trees and eat fruit all day long, and uh, I just liked it better. So I did grow up in the suburbs, um, but German suburbs are not that that terrible. Like We had a forest nearby where we could just play, uh, nah. so it wasn't, I wasn't like completely disconnected. But so yeah, uh, as I became, as I as I grew up, as I became a teenager, I started like fe not feeling very well in the system. I thought it was very alienated, very abstract, very weird. Everything was just strange. I didn't understand why people were doing that. Uh, in, in school, they tell they tell you you gotta you gotta study hard and then you get a nice job. And so I see the people with the nice job. And they're also not very happy most of the time. <laughs> so I think, all right, so what's the point of it? Um, 
I I got into communism uh, when I was I don't know 15 I think I discovered that um, because yeah I just wanted to be somehow against the system that is already in place and so if you grow up in Germany then communism is pretty much the only opportunity uh, the only the only alternative that you are presented with right so I just said all right I guess that I'm a communist now and uh, I discovered like anarchism a little bit later uh, when I was, I don't know, 17, 18, I got into that and I was like, all right, so that makes a little bit more sense than communism. Um, now I, I never really fully understood and supported all of the ideas that communism and even like regular anarchism entails. Like there were always some, some things where I thought that that's a little strange, right? Would that really work though? Is that really the right thing? Um, but yeah, if you if you grow up in Germany, then there is not really anything apart from that, right? So yeah, I was a leftist at that time, um, and also uh, because you know when the the event that kind of shaped us during the time when we were just discovering our political uh, identity was the financial crisis of two thousand and eight. So that was the time when we just started discovering politics. And so it was turbulent times. Um, there was a lot of very good documentaries around at that time that explained like how the entire system works, how the banking system works. We watched all of the classics, ne? Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth and uh, Michael Moore, Fahrenheit 9-11 and all that good stuff. Like where you, where, you, where you just told about this story where the United States government just lied about weapons of mass destruction and they just started this huge war and we couldn't believe oh. it. We were like, all right, so those are the guys on TV that are the leaders of the most powerful countries and that's how they behave. Nah? And the same with the banking system. We're like, that's how banks work? Are you fucking kidding me? Nah? And so realizing how just dysfunctional and destructive the system is, was, I guess, very powerful for me and my friends at that time. And we became super radical afterwards. And it got to the point where uh, when we were just graduating high school, um, we had this weird feeling, this uh, like like imminent doom kind of thing. Like we, we couldn't really pin it down and we didn't really have any idea why we felt like that or what it meant. Or no, we, we just had the feeling the system, it cannot, it cannot possibly exist for that much longer, right? If it is built on such a shaky foundation, then there's got to be something that is happening and it might just happen soon. Now, so we even... Um, we even joked about it. We said, like, after we graduate, if if civilization collapses, let's just meet mm-hmm. at this and that point and stuff like that. And I, we were oh, not I being those conversations. Those, I remember yes. those high school conversations. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You had those as well. Yeah, it was me, but it was when I was at, so I was born in 1999, and so yeah. I wasn't old enough to really comprehend the 2008 crisis in its entirety yeah. at the time. But when I got older, yes. I was very right wing in high school. But I so I came at it from like the right wing. Oh, when society called like that kind of survivalist right wing perspective, <laughs> I had a very different. Yeah. 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 I heard that on one of the other episodes that you had this brief phase of being a right winger. I, I did not have that because we Germans, you know, uh, we have a little history with right wing people. And so 
for most of us, it's not really the choice that we would like to take né? because of obvious reasons. So usually if you grow up and you are not like in a completely bad environment and people are pretty anti-fascist generally, there is plenty of fascists as well, which is uh, a terrible thing. It gets worse and worse as I hear. And I'm, I'm happy that I'm not in that place anymore because they're gaining traction now. Uh, but so I wasn't one of the fascists. I was always firmly on the other end of the spectrum. And so the thing is, I, I we, we had this idea, like civilization cannot possibly last that long, right? So uh, we had this very mature plan of, yeah, we got we to gotta build a commune, right? We got to get mm. out there and just build something. And we, were, we, were, we had no idea what we were doing. Now, me and my friends, we were sitting around, we were like, all right, so you study agriculture and you study architecture and then we need a doctor and something like that. And so uh, I didn't really know what to study after school because how how the fuck are you supposed to know what you're going to do for the rest of your life when you're 18 or 19, right? It's a big decision. And so I was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to just go and study something. So I said, all right, so I'm going to be the guy who gets a little bit of like practical experience and just goes out there and gets his hands dirty. Mm. So I, I worked for a year. Uh, after school, I was in Munich. I was in a in a big warehouse selling ink and toner for printers, which was great. Uh, obviously, the the ideal bullshit job to really hate society. And I did that for an entire year to save a little bit of money. Um, and then I was so frustrated and so fed up, and not seeing like experiencing that for a single year was enough for me to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to spend my entire life working for somebody else, get up in the morning, do the same fucking thing every day. Nah. So I right. said, that's it. It's enough. I cannot take it anymore. And I bought a ticket to Thailand because I was like, all right, so I don't, I don't really know what to do with my life right now. It's obvious that I cannot do just the regular thing that all the other Germans do. Now everybody says, oh, you graduated, you got to get into university. But I couldn't really do that because there was nothing that really fascinated me that much. Uh, now mm. I thought about studying botany or landscape architecture, something with plans, I guess. But I talked to professors who, who taught that. And after the conversation, I was like, no, I'm definitely not going to do that. That is way too abstract and theoretical. And so, yeah, it got to the point where I just had to get away from it all and i said i gotta I, I just travel through southeast asia to clear my head and figure out what i'm gonna do with my life the gap year kind of thing um and i said i start in thailand i start on this small organic farm in the south and then let's see maybe i'm gonna stay for a year maybe longer maybe i'm gonna visit other countries as well um and so i went to this farm and uh i loved it it was a very small farm. It was uh, half a hectare, maybe. And it was pretty close to the city still. But it was nice. It was really, it was like being out there in the sun, sweating, digging the soil and just planting stuff, planting trees. And we had a big pond. We, we did fishing. We could bathe in the pond every day. And so just this a lifestyle like I've never really experienced it before pretty much in cycle with, uh, you know, the sun and the moon and the seasons. And you just do whatever needs to be done in the season. You get up when the sun rises, you go to bed soon after the sun goes down. And so I touched like some kind of aspect of human nature that was really missing in my life uh, until that point. 
and I got hooked. So I always said to the owner of this project, I said, I cannot go back to Germany. It will, it would kill me, man. I cannot go back to that place. And so he said, all right, if you don't want to go back, you can just build a little hut in the back and uh, help me with the garden uh, and uh, mm. watch out with the volunteers that they have something to do. And uh, that was our arrangement. And so then I stayed there first for the entire year. And then one year became two years and three years. And so in the end, uh, the owner, he moved away at one point because uh, he started a new project in a different province. And then I started renting that place. And then I met my wife, the, the woman who is now my wife. Um, so we ran the project together for a year. But then we ran into trouble again because we were still renting the land and it was draining our finances. And we were just on the treadmill, you know, running faster and faster just to stay in the same place. And the owner saw that we were doing good. So he was like, all right, but so now you got to pay the electricity yourself and now you got to pay the Internet bill yourself. And so it got to the point where we were like, it's not going to work. Let's just look for a for a piece of land. Uh that belongs to us, that we are able to afford. Uh, and so we looked around for some time and we were very lucky to find the piece of land that we currently